How's it going, everybody? Episode two of the Lunch Crew. What's going on, Layton? The business of collecting. I'm the... doing well, Chris. How are you today? Great, great, great. You got that tagline in there, the business of collecting? And to me, it's even more important than the Lunch Crew, even though lunch <laughs> is a very important meal. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't done that yet. I hadn't done that yet. Maybe we'll get some after the show, you know. <laughs> Excellent. So really appreciate everyone joining us today for, as Chris said, episode two of The Lunch Crew with Leighton and Chris. We got a lot of stuff to cover today, but of course, we are starting with Jets, Jets, Jets. Jets for those Jets, of you Jets. that don't know, I have an eight-year-old son named Crosby, and I took him to the game. We were invited by my brother Merrick. Uh, this past Sunday, they played the Eagles at MetLife Stadium, and went there, Chris, with every intention of being there for half the game. Explained to my brother, even up front, because I don't want to have any brotherly squabbles, Chris. You have a brother, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you say your brother's a big dude. My brother's a short guy, but he's strong. You know, I don't have any issues. So I just said to him, hey, man, Cross is along for the ride, but, you know, if we get a half out of this, like, we should be happy. Turned out to be a nice day, so we went out to, like, the tailgate. Like, the Jets had a really nice tailgate, some you know, great activities for kids. We did all that stuff. Man, I didn't see any of that coming. He was involved in the game. A lot of emotion. We were like in this Eagles section on the Eagles side of things. <laughs> just a few rows from the field, but it was it was like there was a lot of a lot of passion. We'll, we'll call it that uh, yeah. in the section. But uh, we thoroughly enjoyed, it, and of course, the outcome was even better. So, yes, I saw the video with uh, Cross cheering. It was a uh, it was a heartwarming video. Yeah, it was, it was, thanks. It was really cute. Um, and if, for those of you who don't realize, um, in that video who follow me on Facebook or Instagram, that's me screaming or trying to talk. Cause I had no more voice. And, you know, I sounded like an insane individual and, um, just in terms of, I guess we'll talk about, you know, some hobby kindness, I guess at the end of the episode today, but was really impressed with the empathy that my son had at eight years old for fellow Eagles fans. Uh, he really felt for them. <laughs> Um, but then I, I turned him around real quick. I said, yeah, but how about the Jets? He said, yeah, Jets. So, yeah. Uh, it was great. Chris, do you remember the first time that you ever went to a football game with your dad? I know football has been very important in your life. I, I do, and it was LSU Alabama in 1994. And that's Wow, when... that's your first ever football game? Mm -hmm. Neither one were, were... Well, my first ever beyond like high school, because I went to high school games all the time. Sure, but so like... I guess college and above. Yeah, yeah. So it's 1994. I'm a sophomore in high school, and we went to see two very, very bad programs at the time, LSU and um, Alabama. But still, you still get the pageantry around college football, and that's the moment when I realized, hey, I want to participate in this. You know, it's uh, something that will stick in my head for a long time. Absolutely. Uh, Chris, just a quick question for you, because I'm not sure if I'm set up properly on my end, but in terms of the comments, do I have to do something special to see anything? It's the uh the the restream chat right there to your right. There there are there are, are none are none just yet. Okay. So yeah, yeah. Well, if you come on by, make sure you say hi. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Chris, I don't know if I remember my first football game, um, but I agree with you. Like, there's a difference between high school and you know, listen, college. Uh, I remember going to Rutgers games, but not as a young kid. But I do remember going to my first ever Jet game as a young kid. Shout out to my good buddy Brett Schechterman and his family. His dad was a dentist, was kind enough to invite me. I remember 
you know, lining up. I'm like, what's going on with all these adults? It seems kind of crazy. It was like a one o'clock game, you know, and uh, he's telling my dad, he's like, you know, Leighton's got to be at my house at 8 a.m. My dad's like, why? <laughs> one o'clock game. You know, my dad's like, listen, I don't understand. And basically my, my uh, buddy's dad said, listen, if you want to do it different your way, you could take them. But here's the deal. This is what we do in our family. He had season tickets. And I remember, man, it was like 930 in the morning. I'm like, what are those guys doing? He's like, oh, they're doing shots. I didn't know what shots were, you know, at yeah. that time. Yeah. Um, people are like drinking. I mean, you know, you're eating hamburgers at 10 a.m. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Like, this yeah. is awesome. So uh, for this, we actually left because I, I played high school football at the time. And we actually left to go to Baton Rouge. This is a, a Baton Rouge game. We left after the high school game, so I'm 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 like fresh out, you know, fresh out the pads, and we're on the road to Baton Rouge for this game. So, cool. <laughs> yeah, it was a it, it was really cool. Did you go with your brother too? Yeah, my brother went. My brother went. My brother was bored the whole time. He only wanted to see the bands. What a nerd! All right, all right. well, no judgments from me, but I, I get it. Oh, pl- all the judgments, one. all the judgments from me. If you're watching, John, yeah, 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 nerd. <laughs> well you know i've certainly had uh i've certainly had a number of screw-ups with my brother uh you know over the years and he's had screw-ups with me but certainly this past sunday was not one of them with the jets Great. so i was very grateful for that but speaking of screw-ups tell me this deal what's going on with this pops update thing well i mean like there's a and another one came to light just after just after i sent this over um basically um Fanatics has a lot of turnover in a, a wing that's project management. Project management at Tops uh, is the ones that make the product. And uh, there's a lot of copy and pasting. There's a lot of you know assumptions being made, I'm guessing, without proper communication. This is the, the word I get from insiders there that don't work there anymore because, well, they got laid off. And they got new project managers working on that used to work on textiles, you know. Big difference in working on hats and working on sports cards. And uh, essentially, they published a they published a configuration for tops 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 update, and it's released with a different configuration. And this would be a real pain in the butt for us. The number of packs in the hobby is twenty, not twenty four. That's the whole thing with the screw up. But they did come back and confirm that the drop rate is, is the same. And uh, but you know how it works if. The public thinks one thing is wrong with the product. They're not going to touch it. And the product already suffers from the rookies getting called up too late. It's already a product that's going to need it, that would have needed a lot of help. Then you have um, both legitimate and imagined production issues because people are going to imagine production issues into this because they have one, why not others? And that's generally what happens. The uh, 2023 Bowman Chrome Saga... Um, kind of got a new leg, you know, with the with the duplication of superfractors. Well, they found at least one that has a triplication. So, wow. three one ones. So they definitely got some cleaning up to do. I, I suspect it's because of high turnover in the project management management department. You know, you get this new toy in, you want to see well, what verticals can we build out our existing infrastructure with can we take can we take one team and have this team do this instead of hiring instead of fielding a whole another team to do it and I, I suspect that's what they're doing well here's the thing you might be right mm-hmm. but the fellow collector frankly doesn't even understand what you just said no they don't care i either. barely understand what you just said i've just known you for a while 
So let me pause and just uh, thank Jason, Nick, and Larry, the rest of the gang here for tuning in to the second episode ever of a large crew with Leighton and Chris, the business of collecting. Um, so Chris, getting back to this and you know this this huge issue of the super factors, and if there's a third one of one, really, let's talk about what it means for the collector, right? Because at the end mm -hmm. of the day, you're you're throwing around some fancy words. I know you're in you know IT before project management. <laughs> let's talk about if you're someone who goes to the hobby shop and you know you're a dad like myself, and you take your son and you buy a box of Bowman Chrome. What I want to know is: is the box costing me more than before, Chris? Is it costing me less? Do you think it's a fair deal? Do you even think it matters? Like, give me some of that because that's what I want to know. Well, as far as you walking in a hobby shop and buying a box, it doesn't matter. You're not going to hit a super factor anyway. Those odds are way long. You might. You might. And um, Fanatics has done a reasonable job of compensating for these. They put out this bounty program for the uh, duplicate super factors. And as soon as one gets claimed. They'll, and what is a super factor, Chris, for those who are listening and may not even understand what that is? So it, it is like a gold gold circular pattern on the card. And it's a one of one, meaning it's the only one in existence. Well, you know, it was supposed to be the only one. It was one supposed to be. And normally starting stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but that's just that's the truth, right? Yeah. And and nor and normally is. But um that they have a long history of selling for tons of money. Like this is the one that Vegas Dave with the Mike Trout sold for like a million dollars in the Mike Trout. Three million or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like um they're they're ex extremely sought after and even like people you've never heard of can go for thousands and thousands of dollars. Like you can have a uh a a thirty second round hundred and forty pound shortstop sell for two thousand dollars, which is dumb by the way. That guy's never gonna play major league baseball, don't buy it. <laughs> but people do and people speculate hard on the super fractors and they're 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 this big pie in the sky hit that exists in Bowman Chrome products and even Topps Chrome. They got they got superfactors in there too. So basically, they came out and in in some cases they produced a second one of one. And you're saying that recently there was discovered a third one of one uh, of one card so far. But like it doesn't, doesn't make mean sense. Not there has to be others because of the way they're printed. They're printed on a sheet. Doesn't agreed. So yeah. what I'm suggesting is logic tells me mm -hmm. that fanatics. Has probably made another mistake, mm -hmm. meaning tops, but you know, fanatics. Sure, only, sure, yeah, yeah. Listening. However, this is what I'm trying to get to, gang. Let me get. I'm gonna news for you here. <laughs> this is not gonna be the last mistake that fanatics or tops makes. Oh no, Chris, you and I are probably gonna make a mistake by the end of the show. Oh yeah. So this is my point for the collectors that are out there, or even for those that are more serious, right? You're an investor, you're a speculator, you buy into breaks like from vintage breaks or, you know, latent sports cars or real breaks. Like there's a lot of breaking companies out there that are selling Bowman Chrome. But this is what I'm trying to get to. Fanatics, although you may not be happy, you might be screaming from the streets, they've proven to you with their actions and their pocketbook, their dollars, absolutely, that they're gonna do what they have to do to make it right. Mm-hmm. So to me, and I'm not suggesting they should do this moving forward, but I actually think there's even more value in a product than before. This is just coming from, remember, for those that are listening here, this is Leighton talking and you know, you're not watching here. I don't really know anything about modern cards, much more than the average collector. That's why we have Chris. Vintage is my thing. That's my forte. But 
I'm a businessman. I own a few different businesses and I understand commerce. And I understand that whether it be your human or your company, that we're going to mess up and probably mess up again. So Chris, what I'm getting to very simply is that I'm not happy either about what happened with the mistakes because I don't like you know the, the, the integrity of a product being questioned. But I really um, think that Fanatics did a good job of handling it. They put their money where their mouth is. Mm-hmm. And even if there is something catastrophic, like a third one of one, do I think they're going to be happy about it, please? Does it reflect well on them? No, none of those things. But they're going to do what they have to do to make it right. And so whatever it's worth, this is my hot take. And keep in mind, I've opened no 2023 Bowman Chrome for myself. I don't think I plan to. I might open some in the chat if you guys give me the opportunity to open a box. That'd be awesome. But as far as Bowman Chrome goes, Chris, if I'm buying a box with my son Crosby, I know you're saying it's a long shot. Well, I'm like, wow, this is the year they made a mistake. So instead of one Willy Wonka ticket, golden ticket for every yeah. player, there might be two or three. And they're saying by a certain date, I don't even have to mess with the secondary market. I just contact the manufacturer. I claim my prize and you pay me. I don't know. That sounds okay to me. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's exactly, you know, why it just doesn't matter. Like the update screw up really doesn't matter. The uh, the super fighter screw up is is turned into a feature. I know we talk about this a lot internally, Layton. Like, hey, a screw up gives us a chance to to to, right. to benefit a customer. And I know that's what we do. We go above and beyond when we do screw up. Like, uh, uh, Larry, uh, Larry's classic sports. Uh, Larry Conger, I believe Gilmore making only once one mistake in the show is a big win. I agree, Larry. But the mistakes help me make a better show. <laughs> exactly. Um, speaking of mistakes, so Nick is saying that I need to turn up my mic, but no one else has said anything. Chris, can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you just fine. But uh, Great. you know, just Nicky, turn down that heavy metal in the background. You'll be able to hear me better, bud. Yeah, yeah. He listens to that hard stuff too, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I heard he likes the same. All right. Well, <laughs> Chris, let's uh let's move on from, from this topic. And, you know, one of the features we talked about in our first episode was that we're going to try to you know, have some fun, keep the show a bit different than other shows that are out there, hobby content. And for whatever it's worth, one of these features was bringing up uh, cards for sale during the show. We then put them for sale on our website at vintagebreaks.com, where you can actually just buy it right from there if you'd like. Uh, it is first come, first serve, so it means there's only one of each available. This particular week, we only did two cards each, meaning I'm going to do two vintage. Chris is going to offer two modern. And the reason being is it just took a little bit more time um, than we thought because we're not just putting out the card for sale, but we're explaining why we chose it. So I don't know, Chris, if you have some interesting cards this week, but I think without further ado, let's start with one. And if mine's first, I'll go first. And if not, yeah, go ahead, let's go, see ahead what you go, got. go ahead and go first. Let's see what you got. You got to show me a card. All right, let's show you the Roberto Clemente. Great. So this card. Um, is a beauty for a three, and there's only one reason why I chose to offer it for sale. Because believe me, I don't want to sell it. <laughs> I got it back from SGC. I think it's grossly undergraded. It looks to be X to X mint, um, and the card got a three. So the reason why I'm offering it for sale is because to me, this is really what's beautiful about collecting. You can make it your mission to walk around your local convention, your local card store, or comb through eBay. Just put in SGC3 or PSA4, whatever that lower grade, you know, that you're looking for. But try to find the best example. It's kind of fun. It's a different type of treasure hunt. But my point is, buy the card and not the holder. 
more specifically for those that are listening that maybe aren't clear on what that means, buy the graded card you're looking at based on the way it looks and how it hits you and resonates with you. Don't buy it just because that piece of plastic, PSA, SGC, Beckett, ISA, whoever says it's a seven. And you're like, huh, you know, I don't know. It's a seven. It might be a six. It could be an eight. But what if you look at a card like a three that looks like it could be much nicer? My point is, is buy the card that you really like. And if you're someone, by the way, who collects only threes or fives or sixes for your set, and you don't even care what it looks like, and you just want to have a copy of the card, I'm not judging you. I'm just telling you that the way that I collect and what works for me, I really appreciate the actual card itself. And I always try to buy the card and not the holder. That's why I offer the 62 Tops Clemente. And if you have 100 bucks, I think that's what I'm charging for is 100 bucks. Yeah, um, 100 bucks is what John put on. Yeah. You could buy another three for 100 bucks, but it won't have the eye appeal of a five or a six. Yeah. This, uh only thing i see on this is like a is, is like a spot on the edge you know and, oh yeah you know, so there listen yeah. there is wear so on yeah. the right hand side there's a little bit of wear and on the left hand side there's a little bit wear actually almost uh exactly opposite of each other but the point is is that that card to me should easily be a five has corners like a six and it gets a three so i'm like oh you know maybe someone saw a wrinkle but i couldn't see it anyway i like the eye appeal of the card it's beautiful i try card. to buy cards based on the eye appeal yeah, it, 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 it's a beautiful card. Uh, I've got a card that's beautiful for a different reason. I know you're going to love this one, Leighton. Uh, this is a tennis card. This is 2021 Top Sapphire Coco Golf in a nine. Ooh. Um, there is a big, big, big premium from nine to ten on this card. Um the nines at thirty-five bucks, which is kind of like funny for a player of her stature. It's actually that's way too cheap. <laughs> it is way too cheap. Well, because I've opened the product. It's not even easy to get a mint cocoa card out of packs. No, and you might get a six or a seven in this because the production on Sapphire is not that great. Well, it's interesting. I think I talked about this uh, on Trading Card Therapy last week or two weeks ago on episode forty-six, and what I'm what I'm referring to is. If you like tennis, even if you are not a card investor, mm -hmm. think about if you go to Dick's Sporting Goods for $35 and you buy tennis-related clothes, I guess tennis balls are pretty cheap. You're not getting a racket for $35. My point is, is that whether it be you like the Big Bang Theory, right, or, you know, you like some other show that's popular um, that they're making cards for. It doesn't have to be sports, right? It could be non-sports. There's a lot of great cards and collectibles that are out there. And if you use your noggin, you could do it in a really responsible way and still enjoy the hobby without breaking the bank. And absolutely. I think that's what, that's what I love about this card. Absolutely. Like, I, like I've been stockpiling them, um, you know, a couple hundred raw. Still got some filtering back through PSA, through our account, and through... Um, through through other people that I'll I'll submit through throwing some cards, but uh, it's just 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 a wonderful looking card of a player who probably had one of the best years in sports. It doesn't get, get doesn't get talked about near enough. Well, you know how I feel. I already bought some Coco cards <laughs> prior to her yeah. winning the U.S. Open, and this year is my first ever U.S. Open that I attended, and I play tennis actively. So you know, I think it's great. Um, what do we have next, Chris? I know we have a couple more cards. Great, great. We have another one of yours here. This is the get it on the screen. The stand up. 
Oh, uh, sure. Joe Bossman. It's a 34 batter up. Oh, yeah. 64 tops made stand ups. So, you know, Chris, that's a mistake. <laughs> I'm going to put it on the chalkboard. Well, um, I mean, that's the one, right? Like, 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 that's the one so far. <laughs> so, anyway, the reason why I chose this card isn't because of Joe Vosmick, isn't mm -hmm. because of the grade. I think it's really cool that in 1934, there was a company trying to effectively, you can argue whatever you want. Were they trying to move the gum? Were they trying to move the cards? Regardless, you understand that in the 1930s, there wasn't a lot of money. You're basically teetering on wartime. And at the end of the day, they didn't just produce baseball cards, Chris. They produced cards that were meant to be folded over. I'm going to show a back of the card right now on camera. That's amazing. It's almost like a little toy that was yeah. made out of paper or and or like very thin cardboard. Mm -hmm. uh, so I just think it's pretty amazing. And so to me, for those that are listening, if you're a type collector, for those that don't know what a type collector is, you may not, for example, want to buy and complete a set of 1934 batter ups. But you really like that issue, whether it be aesthetically or you think, you know, you love the fact that it was like utilitarian as a toy for a kid, whatever the case is. Point being is that if you want to just buy one card from an issue, that's often referred to as a type collector. So I thought it'd be cool today to offer a card that, for example, Chris, if you're someone who is on a budget, you want to buy a vintage card that's almost 100 years old, and you're like, you know what? I have about $50 set aside for like a discretionary purchase where I don't plan to sell this really ever or not for a very long time. That's why I brought it to the community. Because believe me, these days with inflation, even if I sell the card to you for, I think it's $45 actually. Um, if we sell the card, I don't know what I can buy much more than maybe for dinner for Krause and I tonight, uh, especially living in the Northeast, right across the river from Manhattan. Yeah. But the joking aside, um, that's why I offered it for sale to the community. I wanted to try to show the beauty of collecting the folks. It's not just always about the player. It's not necessarily always how the card looks, but it's like a glimpse into what was going on in our country as part of American history in the 1930s. So that's my take. Yeah, I can picture like a set of brothers, like putting them in and like making their teams and putting like setting them up, holding them up, setting them base. like on the yeah. diamond, right? Yeah, totally. yeah, yeah. Having Gehrig there at first, you know, stood up. Chris, I would have smashed know. all of yours. <laughs> I would have made sure I won. <laughs> oh, there we go. That's definitely cool. Okay, next card is pull it up here. It is it's a quarterback. You know, it's a quarterback who kind of, you know, had a little bit had a little bit of a rough week. But the prices are down. And if you believe, then now's a good time to get in. So Justin Herbert, 2020 Panini Select die cut purple prism in a PSA 10. Um, hundred around a hundred bucks, but the PSA ten is really hard to get in these die cuts because of all the corners and edges, and it's just like multiple cuts. I was really surprised this card ten. I expected it to nine, uh, but but the centering was was dead on, so I still sent it. So um, it's a guy with a lot of talent, a lot of talent. Uh, he's gonna need to take a few steps to get to that next level. Like I'm surprised, like like. Tua is getting the MVP hype first. I really thought it would be Herbert, Herbert Burrow, Tua, Jalen Hurts. That we may look at that as being one of the best quarterback draft classes of all time, up there with Roethlisberger and Eli Manning, right, and Philip Rivers. So um, it's 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 a player I think highly of in an affordable card in a PSA ten. I love it. This, these only came out of the retail packs, which is why it's it's, it's 
priced a lot cheaper than its hobby counterparts. Cool, but for whatever it's worth, and you know, listen, this is from someone who's not a modern guy, you know, or at mm-hmm. least an expert, that's for sure. I don't mind that it came out of retail only. And in fact, the fact that it's cheaper, what if in five years Herbert's the guy, you mm-hmm. liked him, and you're like, well, wait a minute, there's no more retail anymore. So my point is retail's great when it comes out. And yeah. even the year after, right, a lot of people hoard and, you know, they, they hang on to stuff. Um, but I like the card. It's colorful. Getting back to kind of what I was saying about Coco at 35 bucks. Listen, if you're a football guy, you go out and buy a Justin Herbert jersey, got to cost you $189, right? And you're not going to really resell that jersey. So I just think it's kind of interesting when you're talking about doing your research, Chris. I know it's not numbered, but it is tough to 10 and it's colorful, you know, it really kind of hits you. It's a nice card. So. Um, if you're out there and you want to spec on Justin Herbert for a reasonable uh, amount of money, that seems like a good card. Yeah, yeah, that's that's it's a phenomenal card, and that, that's what that's why I put it there. Awesome, great. Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about. I know we were getting our case in today, uh, so I'm partial to mm-hmm. some of the new releases coming out, but specifically Tops Gilded. Can you tell us a little bit about Tops Gilded this year, Chris, and uh, you know the product and you know kind of how it stacks up? Maybe against last year's, uh, which was very popular. Well, I mean, last year's Gilded was the runaway success of the year, right? It, it, it was the 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 it was a surprise drop from tops. Nobody saw it coming, and it floored everybody. Uh, this year they've kind of kept a similar template, but this year they simply just have more rookies to work with. Um, the Michael Harris, the Abby Lutzman, the Gunner, the the Gunner Henderson, Anthony Volpe. Um, I'm sure there's yeah Corbin Carroll. How forgetting Corbin Carroll? He's like the best one in there. And uh, the cars just look so good. And like, it's not like sometimes you get a card in your hand, you're like, man, this is a good looking card. And then you go to scan it, and it doesn't look right in the scan. No, not these. These look good any angle, any way you want to display them. These are probably the these were the best looking cards of last year. These are the best looking cards of this year. They're also really rare. Like, there's not a whole lot of this product out there. Like, um, one of the worries, and this this is like one thing that, that the old tops used to do, you would see a pattern where they would release just like great gangbuster product, and the next year they'd figure out a way to screw it up by overprinting or whatever. That Well, you know from being out there trying to buy this stuff, because you've been trying to buy cases, that did not happen. It is still hard this year. No, it's still <laughs> hard. And what I'd like to add, because uh, Chris, everything you said is right. Uh, it's a beautiful product. It is limited. Um, I don't want this to be a sales pitch. Like we're not trying to move gilded. We're going to be able to sell tops gilded and vintage breaks regardless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I did want to mention, uh, and for those that don't know, so the show is sponsored by Just Collect and Vintage Breaks, Tia Sports, and Vintage Breaks in particular is a breaking company. We generally focus on, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and we are the world leader in set breaks. You can check out more than uh, 20 sets available right now in set breaks at vintagebreaks.com. But as far as Tops Gilded, to me, being one of the best, if not the best modern, you know, as you said, Chris, baseball product of 2023, mm-hmm. it's the kind of product, unless you're super rich and you could just open personals, you know, eating, uh, you know, some chicken littles I see that they're putting in the chat for lunch. But uh, the joking aside, it seems like it's great for breaking. And it's made for breaking because there's two autographs per box. And Chris, you can comment on this a little bit better than I can. One seems like super special, but but basically there's two autographs out of five cards. And 
if you buy the whole box, of course you get all you know you get all of the cards and you get both autographs. Well, there's a lot of collectors who can't afford the price tag. So to me, if you're a one spot kind of guy or a one spot hero or working on a budget, whether it be you're buying it from us, you buy it from other companies, and you can get in a mixer, it just seems to be such a cool product to grab one spot in the box, knowing that out of the five cards, forty percent of them are going to be autographed. Well, it's not only that, like, if you remember when we did the breaks last year, the best card we hit was a Julio Rodriguez non-autograph. Yeah, I do. I remember so that. So you're right. It's not always about the autograph. There's a ton of value in the stuff that's not even autographed. No, I know. I just think it's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, I like autograph cards. I like that they have vet content. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm really excited about it. So if you do get a chance and you're watching our stream now live or you're on the playback and you want to check out some Topps Gilded Boxes being, being broken and opened, check out our live stream at youtube.com slash vintage breaks. Now, I think Chris, you said uh, when we were going back and forth, there was uh, some cool new basketball product coming out. Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, so it's, it's, it's uh, Panini Noir. And Panini Noir is their intro to high level product. Yeah, as you know, basketball cards are just insane on the secondary market because of all the overseas stuff that goes on with that. A lot of people may not know this, but basketball internationally is the second most popular sport in the world internationally, like not in the United States. Um, China's huge on basketball. Um, you can't walk through Malaysia without seeing a basketball court. You can't walk through Malaysia without seeing multiple bas NBA jerseys. And it's not just like jerseys of guys that are lighting it up right now. You'll see some classics there. There's a big Mitchell and Ness uh Market market there for those throwback jerseys. Basketball is so popular. The cards are so popular internationally, and it leads to uh, a real swell in uh, box prices, particularly with a with a with a product that just sits on the edge of high end like Noir. This rookie class is not necessarily anything special. This is uh, this is not Wimbayama. This is um, this is a previous year with Blanchero and Holmgren and Jaden Ivey. Um, but Noir is the first product where you can legitimately hit a $100,000 card. It's the first product that comes out on the calendar where that's a possibility in basketball. Uh, other than, like, let me rephrase that, other than, like, gut shot crazy prism stuff, because crazy things like can happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah, crazy things can right. happen in prism. But these, you know, they've got the, the logo, they got some logo mans in here, they got product tags, Nike swooshes. Sneaker spotlights, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's a beautiful, done, well thought out product because they bring the elements of basketball culture into it. Like, like I was in a mall yesterday, and um, um, Foot Locker has this apparel store called Hoops or something like that. This product looks like it fits on the racks at that Hoops apparel store. Sure, and they do that for a reason. It's they have Court Kings, which is the low end. Um, um, uh, hoops culture product, and they have Noir, which is a high end hoops culture product. And it's a, it's a, it's a pretty good combination. Noir is, uh, if you're going high end basketball, Noir is not a bad choice. Cool. The, well, I appreciate you, uh, I appreciate you sharing your, your wisdom with us because I certainly don't know the market the way that you do. And I'm hoping folks that are listening here, uh, are getting something out of, you know, your wisdom. If you do have a question about a particular modern product and you want us to discuss it on a future show, just let us know in the comments. We'd be happy yeah. to address it in the future. 
Before we cover our last topic, Chris, I kind of want to do a show and tell, and maybe I probably should have told you. We'll, we'll both do one in the future. Sure. So this is a gorgeous 36 exhibit, four-in-one, featuring four Hall of Famers with a Lou Gehrig, graded PSA two and a half, and I recently picked it up out of an REA auction. It's got great eye appeal for a two and a half, but the reason I bought it is because it's a beauty for the grade. Lou Gehrig does not have that many cards from that time period, not named Gowdy. And this one in particular um, has, like I said, three other Hall of Famers on it. And I'm a Yankee fan, lifelong. So it was something that I can afford without breaking the bank. If I had to guess, uh, it was a thousand and change. Maybe it was 1,200, 1,400. I I don't remember exactly. Um, But I thought that was super cool. I wanted to share that with you, the the lunch crew community today. Great, 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 and we we talked about a card last week that uh, like we last week we talked about PC, and I didn't have the card on hand, but here's the card I was talking about. This is a uh, Prism Draft, and I, I prefer the Prism Draft because of the Alabama logo. Sure, this is the white sparkle from the reward packs of Tua Tavungaloa in a. Oh wow, card. that's special. Yeah, yeah. The another another story behind the card is. Um, Brian uh Brian Hallbaker or no Michael Keller was yeah. uh was buying into Prism Draft and we had a white white sparkle pack. Yeah. So when I was showing off my raw um Prism Draft to Tua, he hit a Tua out of uh, out of a white sparkle pack there on the break. And we wow. both, we both sent them in and they both tinned. Oh, that's so, awesome. Good for you guys. Yeah, it was like it's like a, a fun moment with a uh, customer now turned uh, co-worker that I have. Yeah, with. shout out to VB Buffalo. For those that don't know what that means, Vintage Breaks Buffalo. Saturday nights with Michael and Brian. Those guys not only know modern product, but they really know a lot about fantasy football and, mm-hmm. candidly, betting on football. I'm not your guy for that, but tune in Saturday mm-hmm. nights, uh, you know, if you'd like. And speaking of Saturday nights, if you want to see some great hobby content, make sure you check out Jeremy Lee's Sports Card Live. Every Saturday night starts at 10 o'clock Eastern time. And yours truly, I have about a 10-minute spot, about 10.30 uh, usually. Uh, we call it the Vintage Spotlight. We cover lots of fun stuff. And you never know where I'll be, actually. Uh, sometimes I'm in the city. I'm all over the place. Um, but anyway, I wanted to wrap up today's show with um, you know, a topic that certainly means a lot to not just myself and Chris, but it should mean a lot to you. And what I'm referring to is hobby kindness. Hobby kindness matters. You might be asking yourself, what does that mean? Well, it means a lot of different things. Does it mean giving the card to someone that costs five bucks, you know, and it's the last card for their set, you just give it to them on the house because you know they'll get them back? That's hobby kindness. Is it going to a children's hospital with your son and donating some Tops products and Pokemon packs to the hospital or trying to give them out to kids? And spreading not only hobby cheer, but trying to bring some smiles to faces of kids that are maybe having a tough time? Absolutely. That's hobby kindness. The point is, is that you decide. But I can tell you, folks, I can I consume a lot of content. And this is coming straight from the heart. This is not trying to promote anything or promote a different show or get you to buy anything or sell anything. I want you to hear it from me, and I hope you hear it loud. It starts with you. And you have to act first to have an impact on others, and hopefully people will follow. But I can tell you that in all the content that I'm consuming in the hobby, it's great that we want to help people buy and sell better. It's great that we want to do stuff with Mascot. Mascot, by the way, they're awesome. 
Um, and we'll, you know, we'll plug them certainly in the future. We'll have um, Ezra and the team on here. But we're going to offer you lots of different things that will help your hobby journey. Believe me, if you stay with us for the long term here at the Lunch Crew, I promise you we'll give you that value. But we're also going to talk to you straight from the heart. And the reason why hobby kindness matters, not so that we 10x the hobby, because being human matters. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world. And if you want to partake in it and discuss it online, by all means, you should. Just educate yourself. But taking a step back from all of that, hobby kindness matters for so many different reasons. And so if you can start with giving a care package to your local Boy Scout community or sending your kid to school with a box of cards, like the Mistaken Tops update where there's only 20 packs instead of 24. Ah, get it out of here. I don't want it. But the joking aside, try to think about others and your impact on them in the hobby. And I think that you will be pleasantly surprised at the results. I know that I was. And by the way, when I talked about it just a few minutes ago, because I know not all of you are listening, of course, are going to be following me on Instagram or Facebook or all that good stuff. I was the one who took my son to shop yesterday because he had an appointment there. Children's Hospital of Philadelphia It's where he's born. But instead of just going there and thinking about what we could get from them, which was treatment to make sure that my son's doing great and a changing of his G-tube, um, we try to figure out what we could give back. And that's how the hobby came into our discussion yesterday. We brought down Pokemon cards. We brought down Topps cards. We brought down Alan and Ginter cards. And even though we weren't able to give it out directly to as many kids as we wanted because of hospital policy, and it made a lot of sense, my son figured out a way with me to persevere and overcome. Like, it wasn't so easy to give it out. And then a beautiful game of bingo was born. And my son got to play and he won. It was so much fun. So my point is, this is why hobby kindness matters. You don't know if you're giving some hobby kindness to someone that maybe just lost someone or maybe is suffering mentally and they don't want to discuss it with you or they don't really have any money to buy anything for their collection right now. And you've really just brought, brought such tremendous joy to their face, knowing that even though you don't have a connection of any serious nature, that people care. This is why hobby kindness matters. People will always remember how you make them feel. Always. Absolutely. Great. So with that, we're going to wrap up the second episode of the lunch crew, the business of collecting, but you can see it's not always about the business of collecting. Thanks for tuning in everybody. We really appreciate uh, the love. And if you enjoyed today's show, smash that like button and make sure you subscribe to our content. Great. We're out.